Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer, The Mental Breakdown. Mental Breakdown. I'm Kenna. I'm Kowal. We've been talking. We were just talking about the Albert Fish episode and how grotesque, gnarly it was. Yeah. If you guys haven't heard, we have Albert Fish as our first Patreon-only exclusive episode for our tier two and three patrons. 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 And if you want to get access to that, just join one of those tiers. And yeah, it was bad. It was kind of. I mean, it was lightly edited, but you know, for the most part, super raw, super yeah. unfiltered. Really long episode. It was almost two hours, I think. Yeah. So. And all my pronunciations of all the afflictions yeah. at the end was just I just butchered it all. You but got all the botched ones because we didn't have to, we didn't want to look it up and come back because we didn't really want to edit so much. Yeah. So we just all learned something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do wish that I had like said what it was and then what the fetish was or whatever. Oh yeah. Well we can maybe put that in the notes no, or something. Just, everybody else can mess up their search history if they want to. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you guys for joining us. We have some just exciting stuff going on recently. I know we, I feel like we say that a lot, but yeah. you know, with the True Crime Podcast Festival lately, we were both um, guest hosts on other podcasts mm-hmm. as well, which is really cool. And yeah, just looking forward to that True Crime Podcast Festival. Get your tickets at our website, diagnosingakiller.com for 15% off of those tickets and come see us at our booth in Austin in August. <laughs> we always say it like that. Yeah, look out for the episode of Movication that I was privileged to be a part of, and then the episode of Lady You're Scaring Us that Kenna was a part of. Exciting. Ugh. Yeah. I know, I felt so cool because we did the whole episode, and then at the very end, she was like, Hillary was like, do you want to stay on and do a bonus episode with us? And I was like, let's fucking go. So I sat in the closet for like two and a half, three hours. I was like, oh my gosh, but I loved it. Not me. I told Tyler and Brady to fuck off because I was like, I'm, it's fucking late. Like, they do <laughs> long episodes though, they right? They do. Yeah. I know. Brady's so funny because we were just like chit chatting at the beginning, and then he's like, "Okay, well, is everybody ready?" And I was like, "We haven't been recording this whole time." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "Oh wait, no, I have to remember everything I already said and repeat it." <laughs> I kind of enjoyed that though because then it was like we weren't really like nervous, or I wasn't nervous anymore because it was like just talking and just yeah. getting the feel. You know? I know, I was pretty nervous when we first started, especially because we did like a just audio kind of collab. It wasn't like a face, like a Zoom or anything, mm-hmm. so I couldn't really see like anyone's body language. <laughs> so I was like, do they like me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it ended up being really good. So super excited to hear both of those episodes yeah. and go follow them on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at Diagnosing a Killer anywhere except for Twitter, which is at Killer Diagnosis. We're going to hopefully, I keep saying that we need to update our TikTok. We really just need to get good at editing videos because the video edit skills are not good on my Yeah, part. we don't really know how TikTok works. Does anyone want to do our TikTok videos for us? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and also go check out our merchandise. We have a bunch of new merch. We're still working on new designs and stuff. So give us any suggestions you may have. And we're staring at a shirt that says Full Body Heaves right next to us. I like the way that it came out in this red t-shirt. It It looks looks really really good. Yeah. And I, again, what Tyler was saying on the vacation, I was like, how is the, because he was wearing the, 
He was wearing the Is He the Lady shirt. Well, yeah, we're recording. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And so, um, which is funny because then I think Brady was wearing a direct, written, written and directed by Kevin Smith hat. And then I was wearing my I Assure You Are Open shirt. So <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> cool. Anyways, yeah, it's like sublimination, I think is what they call that. So it's like where it's It's not like pressed. a patch. Yeah. Or yeah. like a really cheap shirt you'll get from like the beach right. stores or whatever. It's, like, it's pressed in there. It's not yeah. like a vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Definitely be checking that out and keep reaching out to us. I want to hear from you guys still. And yeah. anybody in other countries, let us know because it's always cool. I I still can't wrap my head around the fact that like people listen to us across the world. Like that's so yeah. weird to me. Not weird. Like it's so cool. But it's just a hard concept for me to grasp. Like, yeah. People have way different lives than us. And well, we live in America. We live on a little island according to our, us. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and in Texas, especially. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into this mental breakdown. I told you that I had done some mental breakdown topics. I had written them down. And this one, I had written down something a little bit different. But when I started to research it, I fell into this topic. And mm. I was like, this is going to be way more interesting. And uh, it's going to be really exciting. Okay, okay, so today we are going to be talking about the four different types of hitmen. Like, like contract killers, yes. What? Okay, so there's, there's four different types? Psychologically, yes. Oh. So, I know, and I got really into it, and I was like, oh my gosh. That's and cool. And this is, just want to give a blanket statement about this, this is based on a study that was done in the UK, I will plug their name of the, the school that did it, but I got, like, most of my info from them. Okay. Okay, cool. And then just a small content warning, of course, we're going to be talking about hits on people. There are some cases we're going to get into, so... um a little bit of, you know, gruesome kills, some sort of suicidal tendencies kind of come up as well. So okay. just a content statement. Okay, so first and foremost, we are going to be talking about what it means to, quote, take out a hit on somebody. <laughs> okay. This is not a DIY course, by Yeah, the way. seriously. And what a contract killing really is. Okay. So it's so funny because I was looking it up and it fucking popped up. Like, like one of the questions was like, contract, contract killing annual salary or whatever, and a fucking Indeed article came up. I was like, take that off. I get scared sometimes. Like, I started, for my next case, hint, hint, I'm, do like, researching uh, domestic terrorism, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, what if the FBI thinks that, like... No, yeah. <laughs> no, it looks like you're trying to hire someone. Yeah, trust me, oh. I host a podcast. It's not, right? I'm not looking this up for myself. <laughs> it's for the audience. So, contract killing is a form of murder or assassination and was in which one person hires another party to kill a targeted person or persons. Okay. This also involves an illegal agreement in which some form of payment, monetary or otherwise, is exchanged. So, some form of payment, however you want to pay, I'll have sex with you if you kill this person, whatever. <laughs> Something's exchanged. <laughs> Sometimes I think that does happen. I guarantee you it does. Well, I mean, that's, you know, essentially what, like, affairs, is, which we'll yeah. talk about. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, but. yeah. Now, a contract killing does not necessarily have to be just between person to person, like two individual people, but either party can be a person, group, or organization. Okay. And I'm sure we all are thinking it, the mob. The, <laughs> the mob, mafia. Yeah, yeah. mafia, yeah. They don't do that stuff. No, definitely not. And if they do, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> contract killing provides the hiring party with the advantage of not having to carry out the actual killing, and it's supposed to make it easier to not get caught, because you're not actually involved in the murder. Yeah. Although, as we know, there are many times where people get found out as hiring somebody. Yeah, tons of times. Whether or not they admit it, the hitman turns them in, or better yet, if they accidentally hire an undercover cop to be the hitman. Which also happens. <laughs> We've seen that before, <laughs> and that's hilarious. 
Now, contract killers may exhibit the same traits as a serial killer, which I thought was interesting, but they're generally not classified as such because third-party killing objectives are usually different than that of serial killers. Yeah. For example, a serial killer may feel the need to kill to satisfy something deep inside of them, while a hitman may simply kill for money. Yeah. You know, no no emotion involved. No emotion, yeah. Criminologist Scott Bond suggests that while hitmen are frequently compared to serial killers, they, quote, do not experience or require a cooling-off period between their murders because of the unemotional and pragmatic nature of their killing. Interesting. I love that pragmatic word. You know, we talk about, you know, especially, like, BTK, like, he waited so long in between, like, his kills, and Mm -hmm. even, like, years, or even weeks sometimes is, like, a big gap between killings when it comes to a specific person. But these people, like... They don't have to have that time period because they're not attached to the killing part. Right. They're just like, okay, this there's, is a job. There's no recovering or... Yeah. Uh, what yeah. do they call that? Like a like a refractory period, I think is what that's called, right? Where it's like, yeah. a, like the, you said, that cooling off period and, you know, with a serial killer, I bet that they would have to, like, gear back up to, like, yeah. commit that again or have that same anxiety or, you know, manic feeling or whatever yeah. in order to commit the crime. Exactly. So, nevertheless, although they have different traits, there are certain individuals that can be labeled as both, serial mm-hmm. killer and a hitman. Just fun fact. Do you think it's just like, oh, you know, I'm really interested in, like, um, animals, so I'm going to become a veterinarian? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested in killing people, but you know what would be really great is if I could get paid to do so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like, that's why a lot of people join the military. Oh, Seri- I mean, that's and true. And that's what we talked about. Dang. We're going to talk about. Yeah. So, fun fact, if you can call it that. A contract killer is usually known as a hitman, while one that works for a criminal organization is actually typically referred to as an enforcer. Ooh, an enforcer. That sounds so much cooler. I mean, you've seen mob movies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was a study done in Australia on 162 contract killers between 1989 and 2002 that suggested that the most common reason for murder for hire was insurance payouts. We, we hear this all the time, you know, we take out a life yeah. insurance policy, and then they mysteriously die. Yeah, fall Usually doesn't stairs. fucking work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the study also found that the payments to the hitman varied from $5,000 to $30,000 per killing, and averaged at $15,000. Only? What? That's not even that much money. 15k? I don't think like that's charge? a lot of money for... To kill someone? <laughs> No. <laughs> yes. I just, I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like, well, clearly you don't value that person's life and neither does the person that's killing him. Yeah. I get it. But I feel like when you listen to these stories, it's usually like 50,000 or 100,000, yeah. you know? like. So what would you charge? I don't think I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like for me, I don't think it would be like a monetary thing. You would have to put me in a situation where you would have to be like harming somebody that I loved or something, you that's, know? That's, that's. The answer I was kind of hoping for, because if you answered a number and you asked me, I was going to say I wouldn't fucking charge anybody because yeah. I wouldn't do that. It, w- it would have to be like one of those, like, if you don't do this, yeah, then, you Same. know, yeah. Not like giving anybody any ideas here. No. <laughs> a million dollars. A million. Yeah. So <laughs> the, as we probably know, the most common used weapons were firearms. This is from this specific study. And contract killers actually made up 2% of all murders in Australia at the time of the study. What? Usually they were saying it's like a prevalence across the world. Like, contract killers actually make up, like, a small percentage of murders in any country. And they're actually, like, way more common than you think. Probably not. Well, I would hope not in the U.S. Well, no, in the U.S., sure. No, yeah, because I was looking up, like, hitmen from all countries, and everyone else had, like, two or three, and we had, like, 50. Really? That were... That were caught. That are that have been caught? Yeah. Wow. How many in Australia do you think? There was like four like infamous ones. I oh, think. okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, that one specific study was just during that time frame in Australia. Okay. The one that we're going to talk about the most is a more recent one. This was done by Birmingham City University in the UK, and it was released in 2014. Mm-hmm. This suggested numerous things about hitmen, this study. They included that Tuesday is the most common day of the week for a hit. What? So watch your backs tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> While March, May, and July were the most common months for a hit to take place. Out of the 35 hitmen and one hit woman researched over the course of 39 years, their average age was 36. Hmm. This is, again, just this one study. Well, I'm 35, so yeah. <laughs> better watch out. Age out of it. <laughs> Victims were almost always murdered in suburban neighborhoods, most often doing something pretty mundane, like drinking coffee or mowing the lawn. Well, that's what I was thinking, mowing the lawn. Just get sniped. So lastly, and what we're going to get into specifically, the study suggested that there are four main types of hitmen. Okay. The first of these four types of hitmen is called the novice. Ooh. The study describes the novice as just that, a beginner or trainee, but, quote, this should not be interpreted as implying that the hitman was unable to plan the hit or carry it out successfully. In short, even very young novices can make successful hitmen. Hmm. So the study listed 15-year-old Sandra Sanchez-Gale of the UK as their example of a novice hitman. We're going to talk about him for a second. In Mar... <laughs> In March! Damn it. In March. In March. <laughs> In March of 2010, Sandra was paid just 200 pounds to carry out the murder of Gulistan Subasi, a 26-year-old mother who was living with her mother and her son at the time of her death. Why? It'll explain in a second. Well, it actually didn't ex- explain why, but I'll tell you, like, who hired him in a okay. second. Okay. Police were shocked when they watched CCTV footage of Miss Subazi being shot in the chest with a sawn-off shotgun at point-blank range what? on her mom's doorstep. <gasps> but perhaps the more shocking thing was seeing the killer slowly walk away from the body just after killing her without even glancing back. Just boop, 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 Just walked away. He was, uh, concealed. His identity was concealed, yeah. but still. When detectives found out that the man in the video was 15-year-old Santre, they were even more shocked as they originally thought it was a seasoned professional, judging by the, quote, chillingly deliberate and cold-blooded way in which the hit was delivered. Yeah, I was going to say at 15, just, just to be like, bam. bam, and then walk away. Yeah, especially for your first one. Like, that sounds bad, but walk like, you'd all think all the way that... up to the doorstep? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That's crazy. Santre was involved in a gang and trying to win over the older member's trust, so when he was tasked with this hit, he did not hesitate. He would be arrested and tried for this crime and sentenced to a minimum of 20 years. I guess because of his age. And it's in the UK, so they might have a different... Did he just, maximum. like, randomly pick her out? Or the gang So, did? yeah. The, quote, older gang member who told him to carry out the hit was 21-year-old Isaac Billy. 21-year-old. 21. It actually didn't... I didn't read too much far, uh, farther into it. I probably could have found why they wanted her killed, but yeah. I'm not sure if it was, like, a random, like, prove yourself or if she was, like, maybe involved and maybe trying an to get out or whatever the yeah, members exactly. or something. Okay. So that that is the novice, and that's the best example that I found that they gave in that's the study. crazy. At 15. Yeah. So young. The second type of hitman listed by the UK study is known as the dilettante. The dilettante. Dilettante. Ooh. Quote, This type of hitman does not necessarily come from an offending background and only seems to have decided to accept a contract as a way of resolving some form of personal crisis. More often than not, the crisis is financial. Okay. So they don't typically kill, they don't really have a criminal background, but they're so desperate. It's the way they make money. Exactly. Okay. 
This type of killer will usually get the job done, but, quote, not necessarily with any enthusiasm or skill. So, so yeah. So they'll kill, but they won't, it'll be messy. Definitely right? seen this on, like, Dateline before, yeah. where that one guy was hired to kill that one guy's wife. Yeah. <laughs> and he had recently got fired from his job working for this man's company. And the man said, you know, I know I just fired you, like, a week or two ago, but, like, I'll pay you to kill my wife, essentially. Well, and that sucks because you're pulling out, like, the most vulnerable person that, like, you know is fucking desperate. Yes, you know? exactly. And so he went in and he, the woman fought, like, all this stuff. She was trying to protect her children, which is just awful because the children were in the house. <sighs> fucking awful. And uh, chased her all the way downstairs. Like, there was blood all over the house. Like, it was just horrific. That's awful. And, but, you know, he, again, the man was so desperate for the yeah. money, he didn't care. Like... How messy it was or whatever it was. Doesn't matter as long as she's dead. As long as she's dead and I yeah. get my money, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Damn, that's awful. Unlike the novice, these types of hitmen don't come from criminal backgrounds, like I said, so they typically do not use the most common murder weapon, firearms. Mm -hmm. Although they will commit to a job, they will actually often not go through with it. I have heard that too. Yeah. Sometimes they turn the dude in. So the study's example of the dilettante is 26-year-old Orville Wright, not to be confused with the plane guy. But the, <laughs> the, the plane guy. One of the brothers that invented planes. Yeah. <laughs> what year was this? Okay. Yeah, well, this was 96, so okay. probably not the same He's guy. a vampire. Uh -huh. <laughs> so sometime in 1996, Orville had accepted nearly 4,000 pounds from his intended victim's former lover to carry out the murder with the promise of an additional 1,000 pounds upon correct completion. So if he did okay. it, and he did it right. Okay. okay. Orville put on a balaclava, a ski mask, grabbed um, a knife, Ba balaclava? It's Bal balaclava. Balaclava? Balaclava? Not to be confused with baklava. I was going to say. <laughs> I want balaklava. Bal yeah, it's like a, it looks like a ski mask. Yeah. He grabbed a knife and broke into the home of 30-year-old mother of three, Teresa Pitkin. Unlike the first hit that we spoke about, Orville did not immediately try to kill Teresa, and instead, he just began a conversation with her. With the ski mask on? Yes. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Well, I'm sure she was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, okay, He's like, oh, uh, well, okay, one second. Uh, yeah. See, I was skiing, and... Right. <laughs> and I found this knife. <laughs> Teresa said about this encounter, quote, I thought he was going to rape me, but then he told me he had been contracted to kill me. <gasps> he told her? I feel like her? that's even scarier. Like, listen, like, I don't have a choice here. Like, I gotta kill you. Like, I had to kill you. At first, Orville had told Teresa that he had been hired by a friend of her ex to cripple her, but then he admitted to her that her ex, David Martin, had actually hired him to kill her. Oh my god. What do you do? What do you Someone do? Someone comes into your home and says, look, your ex hired me to kill you. And all I can think of is, like, the strangers with, like, the potato sack yeah. man. And she has three like, children. just watching By the way. Yeah. Oh my god. Teresa was able to keep Orville talking, and he eventually actually decided to not go through with the killing. He's like, shit, now we're friends, and, like, I can't. She fucking Kepnered his ass. Yeah. Yeah. She did Kepner his ass. <laughs> Orville would be found guilty of aggravated burglary with intent to cause grievous bodily harm and was sentenced to two and a half years in prison. Well, he didn't kill her and he came clean. And what about the boyfriend? David Martin denied any involvement <gasps> and was never arrested or charged. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> How do you live? How do you live the rest of your life? They actually, her and uh, the Teresa and the Orville became oh. like kind of like homies afterwards, and her and her mom both forgave him, and he was from Jamaica, and they actually offered to buy him a plane ticket to send him home. Oh my god. And they did, he and was, he went home. Because he was desperate. Well, he was just... I guess, yeah. He was desperate for money here. I know. 
That's so sad. I thought you were going to say that the two would quickly get married. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That should be on a shirt. It should. The two would quickly marry. Oh, did you see the one I sent you, though, about that? No. I I'm... sent you one. That... Okay. It's something to do with that. It doesn't say that. I haven't right. even looked at it. I need to update the website. That's all right. The third type of hitman involved in this study is one known as the journeyman. Ooh, the journeyman. The journeyman. According to the study, quote, the journeyman is someone who is capable, experienced, and reliable, but not an especially exceptional performer. This type of hitman will often have completed a greater number of contracts than any of the others. However, we do acknowledge that this sample we have developed is a sample based on failure. In other words, these are contract killers who have been captured. I see. End quote. Yeah. So since it's harder to catch the hitman in this category, there's not one specific killer that the study named in relation to the journeyman. Mm Mm-hmm. But the best example given is that of Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield in Pulp Fiction. Oh! <laughs> I, I love that movie. So, people, it's okay if you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, because I saw it for the first time, like, last year. But it's actually a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. So the study goes on to say that the average journeyman will not have the same, like, snappy dialogue like the characters in the movie. Yeah. Like, they will instead keep to themselves and avoid saying too much or getting caught. Like, they kind of just don't yeah. talk about it. Like, you know, they're like, I feel I like they're, wonder, like, bragging they about sit shit. sit down and Samuel L's having a burger. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> it's super casual. <laughs> the study suggests, quote, successful hitmen, masters, in other words, have never been captured. So the sample is skewed somewhat. Mm. However, it's their connection to a specific area's criminal underworld that leads to their downfall. It is local intelligence that can be given to the police to bring them to justice. Yeah. End quote. So it's like, you know, um, well, it's bottom of the barrel gets gets tagged first. So it's like, you know, like what they're saying, like even through organizations and stuff like that, that if you're lower on the totem pole, you're likely the one that's going to take the fall. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes those guys take the fall even when they didn't do it. They didn't do it, what it yeah. They, it well, was, they have people specifically someone. there to take the fall on purpose. Right. Now, lastly, the fourth type of hitman that they were talking about in the study is called the master. Ooh. <laughs> hello. Since they're never caught, it's significantly hard to study the master hitman. But from what we do know, it pretty much goes with the guidelines from Leon in The Professional. Mm. Quote, no women... No kids. That's the rules. Yep. These killers are typically very strict in their training, so to speak, and they have very under-the-radar lifestyles, making them virtually invisible and the perfect silent contract killer. Sounds like Dexter. Yeah. Kind of like a rule, like a, a list of rules that he adheres to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Probably lives, like, code. somewhat of a normal life yeah. during his everyday life. It's and like that's James why, Bond. And that's why he didn't want to get involved with women. Yeah. They do not trust easily, and they will hardly ever get caught by being sloppy. The study states about these hitmen, quote, It's not like you can interview these people, but unlike the journeyman, they will not be identified locally. They will go into an area, carry out the job, and then leave again. It's pretty clear that they have paramilitary or military background, meaning they have access to weapons, are comfortable around them, and are able to dispose of any evidence linking them to the hit. Hmm. End quote. Which is what you just said. Like, these are the people that a fall guy will probably take the fall for. Yeah. Because they're too important. They're too important. They carry out too much stuff. They probably make too much money. They probably, yeah. like, all that. Yeah. yeah. So the example used to describe a master hitman in the real world was the brutal execution of Frank McPhee in Scotland in the year 2000. Hmm. Frank was a longtime Glasgow gangland boss and was reported to have built his, quote, underworld empire on drugs and robbery. He did serve some time in jail from 78 to 82 and again in 86 to 90 for various crimes, but he was out after that. It was reported that a 5,000-pound contract had been put on his life, and police were able to work a theory that he had tried to take control of the drug trade from Irish terrorists. Mm. But all the police could do 
was come up with potential reasons for this alleged contract because there was no confirming that the master yeah. hitman even existed. There's no paper trail. Exactly. <laughs> so like they heard emails. it. Yeah, they heard it through the you know through the grapevine that yeah. well, maybe this guy's a hit on him. Have informants. And yeah, stuff like that probably working undercover as well. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, again, it's not like they're exchanging emails and CCing people. Yeah, it can all be speculation. (laughs) In May of 2000, Frank was killed by a single shot to the head from a 22 rifle with telescope sight outside of his home from 500 yards away. Wow. Unfortunately, his son was with him when he was (sighs) shot and killed. That's rough. And witnessed his father being shot from seemingly nowhere and die. That's... I can't even imagine... Like, like, all of a sudden. No threat, probably no noise, no, no noise. nothing. You're just going on about your day, and then just... Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it would probably sound like, too. Although Frank was killed just 1,500 feet from a police station, the killer was never found. Wow. He is the master. He... Well, the person that killed him is yeah, the master. Yeah, the master. So, lastly, that's the four types of hitmen. Okay. But lastly, I just want to talk about some infamous people that hired hitmen. Okay. And we just have two cases, but sure. I kind of went into detail, so we'll talk about these two. There's chocolate, and then there's lint chocolate. Chocolate that has a silky smooth and velvety texture has become synonymous with the name lint since its conception in 1845. Click the link in the show notes to receive two 75-piece truffle bags for just $48. Be a part of the Lent legacy and grab a bag of their world-famous truffles today. So the first one is a man by the name of Anthony Lair, 30 years old. He had actually hired a teenager to kill his wife in 2001, claiming that he wanted to gain custody of their four-year-old daughter and obtain the rights to their assets, like their flat and their cars and stuff like that. Cool. File for divorce like every other normal person. So, allegedly, she had been denying him access to her, and so he's like, well, if she's not going to let me see my fucking kid. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But still. Yeah. So, Anthony began thinking about this plan for many weeks, or who knows how long, before he would actually ask a group of young boys outside of a McDonald's... (laughs) How much they would charge to kill somebody. Hey, kids, want to make some money? Right? (laughs) So he had actually seen the boys numerous times and even acted as, like, a mentor of sorts to them. Like, he would give them advice or he would just be really cool. He would buy them beer, He would have his hands in his pockets. Like, he's, like, (laughs) leaning against the wall. Like, he's not dangerous. (laughs) So they believed he was making a joke. But one day he struck up conversation. He's like, hey, how much would you guys... Like, I just did with you. How much would you charge to kill someone? One of the boys, a 15-year-old who was not named, replied, a million dollars. A second 16-year-old boy by the nickname of Gavin replied that he would do it for just $100,000. And a third boy stated that he would do it for just $100. i do it for a case of beer. Yeah, right? <laughs> a pat on the back and a good job. Yeah. So Anthony agreed to the price of $100,000 suggested by Gavin, and he said, name a target. Just name a target, and I'll tell you. You know what? As a matter of fact, I'll name a better one my wife. Oh, like, so if you could kill anybody in the world, I would have like, you kill my wife. My wife. <laughs> Here's a picture of her. Thanks. <laughs> She's home between the, these hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he used this conversation to steer it towards his wife, Annie, and he suggested that he would pay Gavin the amount he wanted if he would kill his wife. And again, these are not, except for Anthony, everyone else's name is, I think it's fake, like, to conceal the identities of the... Yeah, they're minors. Annie is yeah. true, but she had, like, four names, and Annie, I guess, was the English version of her name. Oh, okay. what it said, yeah. 
So he told the boys that he despised his wife for not allowing him to visit their daughter frequently, and also the amount of assets he would gain if she was dead. He's like, by the way, I want the flat, I want the car, like, just, can you just kill her so yeah. I can have all that stuff? and I'll stuff? give you a ride in the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the boys perceived this as just a ha-ha-ha, a joke, and just left. They were like, no, fuck you, dumbass. So, <laughs> in the first week of May 2001, Anthony yet again met up with Gavin and the other 15-year-old boy who was not named, and once again brought up his wife. Oh, what are you guys going to kill my oh. wife? Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> this time, he straight up asked Gavin to do it, even telling him to do it by covering her mouth with one hand and slitting her throat with a knife from behind. He was like telling her how, telling telling him him how to do it. He also showed photos to the boys of his wife. It's like, here's what she looks like. Just to make like. sure. Yeah. Not mistaken identity here. Yeah. It was at this point that Gavin realized that Anthony was fucking serious. <laughs> Gavin said that he would consider it, and he would... He wasn't going to, but he was like, yeah, I'll consider it, and he leaves, right? Sure, yeah, okay. Psycho. I guess he yeah. might have been thinking about it a little bit. Sure. Because he did confide in a 14-year-old female friend of his that was also not named, but he was like, listen, like, what do you think? Yeah. And he ultimately decided not to take Anthony up on the offer because his friend suggested it might be a bad idea. <laughs> might <laughs> be you, bad. Killing, killing someone? Yeah. Probably bad. Probably not a good thing Probably to do. not a great thing. Yeah. Backing out, Gavin also warned his 15-year-old friend not to go through with it. Again, this 15-year-old does not have a name. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to refer to this 15-year-old by the alias Z, like the letter Z. Okay. Okay. From now on. Another youth in the group, 22-year-old Saya, was approached by Anthony to kill his wife as well, shown the photos, and offered $100,000. After realizing that Anthony was serious, the boy declined the offer and suggested that if Anthony wanted his wife dead, he should just hire a professional. Yeah. <laughs> Go hire the master. Yeah. <laughs> a master. Go hire the master. You can even hire the novice. I'm not doing exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to become your novice. I'm not going to be your novice. <laughs> Anthony would later tell this boy that he could not find a professional to do it. He's like, I just couldn't find one. I looked everywhere. <laughs> I looked everywhere. <laughs> the best I have is a few 14 and 15 yeah. year olds. No professionals in this area. The last two young people in this group outside McDonald's originally, 17 and 19, later stated that Anthony would always bring up killing his wife anytime he saw them, and they, quote, thought he was crazy and declined. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, shit, here it comes God, Anthony again. Wife. Kill my wife! Kill my wife! Yeah, he's running like, up. Hey, Please. guys, how's it going? They're like, oh, great, how are you? He's like, God, uh, fucking wife. My wife is still alive. Yes. <laughs> God, fucking Just annoying. waiting. However, the 15-year-old Z was still not declining Anthony's offers mm-hmm. and was still kind of considering it. He would eventually agree to carry out the murder. On May 10th, 2001, Anthony brought the 15-year-old to his flat and described in detail what Annie looked like. The youth brought a long steak knife with him, planning on carrying out the deed. He saw Annie getting out of a cab and going into her building to get to the fourth floor. Z tried to follow her, but he actually lost her after the elevators. Like, somehow he had, mm-hmm. I guess, his, like, lagged. and <laughs> He was like, shit, she's already gone. <laughs> tried to run up the stairs. Yeah. He would hang around for a moment, and then he spotted Annie yet again. This time, with her daughter in tow, seemingly going to the park. Oh, no. Upon seeing the little girl, the 15-year-old decided he could not go through with it and left. Good. Anthony was not pleased with this, as he told Z that he didn't care if his daughter was there and to kill kill Annie anyway, even if her daughter was there. In front of the kid? Yeah. Like, you want custody of her, you clearly don't care about what she sees. That, if anything, she'd be a witness. Or she'd, like, cling to him because of the loss of her mom. She's, like, petrified or whatever. Traumatized. The next day, on May 11th, Z decided he would not carry out the plan. 
But before he could back out entirely, he received a phone call from Anthony urging him to do it that day. This kid, Z, was kind of known by his friends to be a little gullible and a little influential. Like, he would kind of go along with things. Oh, he was highly influenced. Yeah, yeah. my bad, not influential, yeah. But you know what I mean. He would mm-hmm. go along with things. Like, it was really easy to coax him into doing okay. stuff. And especially when it came to money. Z would comply, and once again, he would miss Annie on the fourth floor after the elevator. <laughs> I don't know how. Dummy. Later that day, the boy saw Annie, this time with Anthony and their daughter together. Just hanging out with them. He well, decided... But what a great alibi for Anthony, right? Yeah. Because, like, he was there. He was there. And, like, someone just came uh. up and attacked us. So, at this point, Z decided for good that he wasn't going to do it. He's like, I'm not going to kill Annie. Like, this is a sign. This is the fourth time I fucking tried. Yeah. He would tell Anthony that he was not going to go through with the plan, but Anthony actually threatened suicide if he didn't kill her. So, Anthony was saying, like, I'm going to kill myself if you don't kill my wife. Like, okay. <laughs> He's like, go for it. Yeah. Man. On top of this, though, he also threatened the boy and his family if he didn't comply. That makes more sense to me. Honestly, yeah. like, yeah. Z went back to Anthony's home on May 13th, where Anthony presented him with a samurai sword as a gift for his compliance. He really liked it. This, this kid was like, oh my god, this thing is super fucking cool. Until Anthony stated that he wanted the boy to use it to kill his wife. <laughs> How like, subtle. Here's the booty weapon. Yeah. <laughs> when the boy refused yet again, he tried giving the sword back to Anthony. Anthony would take the sword and threaten to use it to kill the boy if he didn't comply. So what the now fuck? he's like threatening him. It's not oh just like gosh. a hey, I'll pay you. It's like a, if you don't do this, like why doesn't he just kill his own damn wife? Yeah, for real. <laughs> the next twenty-four hours consisted of the boy trying to back out and continuously being coaxed back into it by Anthony. So he decided. Just get this over with. Like, he's never going to give up. Yeah, he's never going to leave me alone. So, Z would show back up to the flat on May 14th, steak knife and textbook in hand. Textbook? It was supposed to be his alibi that he had been out studying, I guess. He'd, like, taken it from his home and he was to have it with him on his person in case anything happened. (laughs) I'm not sure. It it wasn't very well thought out. It was an anatomy book. (laughs) It's like, oh, uh, where's the throat again? Uh. Yeah, and there's also, like, a lot more detail than this, but for time's sake, and since it's a mental breakdown, I kind of sure. just, like, like bullet-pointed the most important... Well, not... The parts to get to the root of the story faster. Sure. yeah. This day, Anthony had also made it a point to have Annie sign some papers, uh, essentially, like, giving him his, her estate or whatever, anything, like, to <laughs> left to him. But I'm not sure how he kind of, like, did it. Again, it was a lot longer of a, a conver- conversation than yeah. just that, but... He ends yeah, up getting her to sign some papers. Wasn't the whole point of the him assassinating her or getting her assassinated was because she was not sign wouldn't sign over things? Yeah, and she wouldn't like let him see her daughter, and now all of a sudden he's like hanging out, hanging with out with him. Yeah, I'm not sure. Again, there's more detail, but essentially what had happened is that Anthony had like snuck the boy in. It was like a multi level flat, so Anthony had snuck the boy in, and while this conversation was taking place, the boy was downstairs like kind of listening. Yeah, and he was kind of like spying on them. Anthony knew he was down there, but yeah. Annie of course didn't. Right. So at this point, he convinces her to sign the papers, and she goes, "Yeah, really quick. Let me just run up to my mom's flat to borrow a pen." Okay. Her mom lived in the same apartment complex. She's so, like the Or the same area. And she probably realistically was going up there to talk to her mom about what was going like, on hey. instead of borrowing a pen. Yeah. And saying, by the way, I just signed over a bunch of these assets. Yeah. Or I'm about to, should I, or whatever. Yeah. 
So unbeknownst to Z, Annie's mother lived a few floors up. So he would follow her after she leaves the flat. He's like, oh, perfect. I'm going to go follow her maybe a few yeah. floors up. I'll kill her there. Right. And then that also gives him, Anthony, an alibi too. And of course she was yeah. gone. And Anthony actually, she was just going to take the daughter with her. And Anthony was like, no, no, no. Like, she'll be fine. Just let her stay with me for like five minutes while you're gone. So thankfully he had that fucking <laughs> At happen. least, yeah. Because he was totally willing to use his own daughter as a, a witness. Yeah, exactly. Which is gross. After getting off of the elevator, Annie was attacked from behind with a rag put over her screaming mouth and being stabbed in the chest and neck with a knife. So he did it the way that Anthony told him to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's so fucked up. Never had an original thought. I always like saying that about people. Yeah. Annie would collapse to the ground and Z would flee. Annie was actually able to stand up and make her way to her mother's door. She either opened the door or knocked and they opened... But she was able to state... <laughs> I doubt she knocked. Just... Well, I, mean, I don't know. Can I've you... been stabbed. Can you open the door? Well, that's what I'm saying. She Somehow the door came open. I don't know if she opened it or if it yeah. was open. She made noise. Either way. But she was able to state to her mother and her brother that she had been stabbed before collapsing on the okay. floor again. That's, Wait, what, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny that Excuse you said me. knocked. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she knocked on the door or... She kicked it? I don't know. Kicked, she probably kicked it in. At the same time, Anthony heard screaming from a few floors up, and he knew that his plan had been completed. Ugh. Okay, that gives me heaps. He's like, he's like, okay, he did it. Okay. Yeah. Ugh. Anthony grabbed his daughter, again, who had, he made, had made stay with him. He's like, showtime. Essentially what happens after this is he pretends like, oh my god, I'm so shocked. He brings towels Annie would, unfortunately, succumb to her injuries <gasps> no. later at the hospital. Yeah. Oh, no. So she did kill her. I, oh, I thought you were going to tell me in the end, like, she ended no. up surviving. Yeah. Or that he didn't perpetrate the crime. But then when you said that he perpetrated the crime, I was like, surely she lives. No. <gasps> the 15-year-old boy and Anthony were actually tried together on November 19th, 2001. So just a few months later, or I guess eight months later. The trial would last until December 5th, 2001, where Z would be found guilty of murder but since he was under 18, he was sentenced indefinitely to be detained during the president's pleasure. I looked it up. It pretty much just means he can't be on death row and he's okay. in like a juvenile unit until he turns 18. Okay. It's almost like a, an official pardon of some kind. Yeah. Huh. Anthony was also found guilty of soliciting the murder of his wife and sentenced to death. Oh, good. Yes. Wait, so how did they find him? They just, the I'm the not boy. sure. Again, there was a lot more detail. This sure, was a yeah. really long, detailed case. And for time's sake, I didn't really go yeah. that far into it. Either way, but, they were caught. Yeah, I think the boy caved and Probably. admitted to what happened. Yeah. And of course, he has all the, the six other fucking boys that he tried to solicit. True. <laughs> you know what I mean? They it's like, oh, shit, money. here comes Anthony again. And I didn't mention this in the beginning, but this all happened in Singapore. Oh, okay. To, okay. So yeah, he was sentenced to death. The judge stated about the 15-year-old, quote, I see no mean miniature monster in Z. I detect no vengeful or vicious spirit in this 15-year-old boy before me. I see instead a morose and mortified teenager who is still trying to come to terms with the cataclysmic events of the last seven months. Hmm. He is not capable of concocting such an elaborate and consistent yarn. He does not have the presence of mind nor the mental agility to utilize and corrupt information to his own advantage or to the detriment of others. End quote. So Do he knew that he was... Co coaxed into it essentially do you think that z was like um like neurodivergent or i something? think he was yeah okay. um at least slightly because the kids yeah. the kiddos had kind of mentioned something about that as well yeah so z would spend 17 years in prison 
and he was a model prisoner. He actually got, like, his schooling and all that stuff taken care of. Mm. And he would eventually be released on November 2nd, 2018. Wow. So he is out. He is a out. free man. They did go through with the death penalty with Anthony. He's dead. I see. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about one more case of okay. someone hiring. That one is a doozy. I know. It was a yeah. lot. I was like, okay. oh my gosh. In January of 1994, a man by the name of Robert Frada of Houston, Texas, Ooh. hired two men to murder his wife as they were going through a custody battle of their three children. We've oh. heard this before. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> God. Robert hired Joseph Prystash to arrange for the murder of Farah Frada, and Joseph would go on to hire the gunman, Howard Guidry. Okay. So Farah is the mother. Okay. So maybe it seemed to be potential victim. Yes. Okay. Well, victim nonetheless, even if she doesn't. Well, either way, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's at least a victim of conspiracy. Yeah. Which, yeah. Farah had dropped the three children off shortly before returning home at one day, where she was met with the gunman and shot fatally twice in the head. <gasps> I'm pretty sure it was, like, in the garage, too. It was weird. And I didn't really get too far into, like, how he hired them, how he met them, and all that yeah. stuff. But we'll find something out in a second. As per court records, in the days leading up to the crime, the former cop had told his friends about his plan to murder his wife. The husband was a cop? Yes. Oh my god. Even going as far as to ask for advice on potential hitmen. Hey, you guys have worked with hitmen in the past, right? Any, uh, any takers? Any, uh, any outstanding <laughs> people that I can hire? <laughs> he had allegedly said, quote, I'll just kill her and I'll do my time and when I get out, I'll have my kids. <laughs> Bitch, no the fuck you won't do not gonna... know how the judicial system works. <laughs> Clearly not. Like, you're I'm not going to have my time. <laughs> do my time. I'm going to do my time. Yeah. You mean Pay... life? <laughs> yeah. He probably thinks he's going to get 10 hours of community service or some it's shit. Probably true. He has oh, he I mean, that sounds really bad, but he probably has pull. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's what they call it. Like, oh, you know, it's a uh, what do they call that? The courtesy. Yeah. Like, well, it didn't work for him because yeah. he was tried and sentenced to death in 1996 Yay. for this murder for hire. That's awful. Although the conviction was initially overturned due to technicalities in the judicial pr proceedings, excuse me. He would be resentenced for the killing in 2009 to death row. Ugh. I'm not sure what happened, but well, he the, was resentenced. The, the guys? I'm sure they got a plea deal or something for Probably, turning they, on him. Yeah, they turn, turned over on him. The judge was known as saying about this, quote, Trial evidence showed Frada to be egotistical, misogynistic, and vile, with a callous desire to kill his wife. Ew. Uh, no. Ugh, maniacal sweat. <laughs> his children would be raised by his parents following his wife's death and incarceration, and the children would actually change their last names to their mother's maiden name. Oh. <gasps> yeah. On January 10th, 2023, so a few months ago. My birthday. 65-year-old Robert Frada received a lethal injection at Huntsville Prison. Oh. He was actually the second person killed for capital punishment in Texas. I'm sorry, first in Texas and second in the United States of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And apparently we have like eight more scheduled for this year in Huntsville alone, just Texas. Wow. Yeah. Well, Texas doesn't fuck around. True. Yeah, if you don't get killed before you go to prison, you're definitely getting killed in prison. Yeah. <laughs> A few minutes before the execution began, Robert was asked by the warden if he had a final statement, to which he replied, no. No. Just no. I don't know why I'm here. His son, Khan, was present at his execution. Khan was known as saying, well, it was like his son and his brother, I think, and his dad were also there. Mm -hmm. Khan was known as saying, this is his son, quote, Bob was a coward in 1994 when he arranged the murder for hire of his estranged wife, and 29-plus years later, he was still a coward tonight. 
when he was offered an opportunity to at least extend an olive branch to his son that he knew was watching this, and he still chose the coward's way out. He could have said, I'm sorry. End quote. <laughs> and he, just him calling him Bob. I know, right? He's like, Bob's a fucking Bob's a coward. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Bob. <laughs> that was a collective fuck you, Bob. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much all I have. I did just want to bring up two more because I know that you know about these two, mm-hmm. but two more really infamous people that have to do with this. So one is a contract killer who is, of course, Bugsy Siegel. Mm-hmm. He worked for the organization Murder Incorporated and he was known as an enforcer. <laughs> enforcer, yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you want to say anything about him before I go to my next one? No. Okay. And then the other one is Joe Exotic. I'm never oh, going to financially recover I'm from never going to financially recover from this. But he allegedly hired a hitman to kill Carol Baskins. Carol Baskins. Yeah. That's what he's in prison for. Yeah, exactly. Well, and um, animal cruelty. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. found, like, 20 buried tigers I on know, his property. I know, awful. All with, like, gunshot wounds in their heads or whatever. It's terrible. That is well, awful. I have... the tigers. When I updated my calendar for May, I have a... I was just looking at it. I have a little sticker of him. It's a sticker of him and it says, I'm never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> Where? It's, uh, it's on my calendar. On your calendar. <laughs> it's the last one that I was thinking that you might talk about would be Dahlia DiPolito. Mm-hmm. And Dahlia DiPolito was like, she was trying to hire someone to murder her husband. And like, it was like a friend of a friend or something that she had asked. And this guy tipped off um, cops. And uh-huh. so the cops were like, oh, well, can you just, like, refer her this way? And so there was a UC, an undercover, undercover cop. Oh, yeah. It's a video to... from inside the car. From inside yeah, the car. Yeah, I've seen that yeah. before. Yeah, and it's then, bad. Yeah, but the the most interesting part about it is that they take pictures of him murdered or whatever, and then they show them to her, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, this is you know, been taken care of or whatever. And they told him so about it, and he was thinks... in on it? Yeah, the husband. <gasps> so they took pictures of the husband like he was dead. Like, they, like, yeah. did his hands behind his back and everything. So the fake hitman or the undercover cop shows her these photos, and she's like, oh, like, totally got it. Right? I'm pretty sure she's also the one that gave him $100 as a down payment when she was planning on paying him 50 k yeah. She's like, well, the rest of the money is going to come from his life insurance policy, so I here's think... $100 That's all I have. Actually, I might be confusing two other cases, because the Dahlia DiPolito one is the one where she's the, the video of her coming home, and she's like, what's going on? I was just at the oh, gym. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I'm sorry, but your husband's murdered. And she's like, ah! Like, God. just really, really bad. And then, but I think that maybe the cops show him the fo- her the photos yeah. of, or whatever it is. Anyways, he, like, at one point, they were like, okay, well, you're being um, arrested for, you know, solic- solicitation of murder or whatever. And she's like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And then the husband walks in and she's like, baby, honey, oh, yeah. honey, baby, like, what's going on? Oh, no. Like, yeah. yeah, I've seen, I've seen both Ugh. of those. I know both of what you're talking about. So bad. But then she claimed later that she was manipulated into doing it oh, by whoever she was talking to, I guess. Well, yeah, that's my mental breakdown. I thought it was definitely something different, but really interesting. And I didn't know, like, any of that before I started researching it. Well, because then when when you started explaining the four different kinds, I was thinking in my head, like, oh, yeah, that sounds like, you know, like, it's like James Bond, or that sounds like, like, these these real-world examples, like Ezio from Assassin's Creed. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that was my minty breaky. Um, Anything else you got? No. I think that's all I got. That was a long mental breakdown. But we are going to be back on Thursday with another case. Check out Movie or Scare... Movie or Scare... (laughs) 
Movication and later scaring us. Okay, we need Movication and later scaring us <laughs> to, to get together to do a collaboration. <laughs> Talking about a really scary Full movie. Circle. Movie yeah. you're scared of. <laughs> That's so good. Check out both of their podcasts and then check out the episodes that Quill and I are featured on. And we are going to be back on Thursday with another doozy of a fucking case. This one's going to be wild. I've been researching it for quite a while. And it's two people, actually, that we're going to be doing hint, hint. And there's some recent updates. So, yeah, excited about that. Recent updates. I know. And, well, I'm not, like, not super recent, like January 10th. Yeah. You know. But yeah, um, in the meantime, check out our merch on diagnosingakiller.com. Check out the website. We have analytics, guys. We can see when y'all are looking at our website. We can see where you click, too. Yeah. Not, like, specifically. Not We're not, like, CIA. We're anything. not creepy. Um, but we can see how many times each page has been clicked. So do a little exploration yeah. on the site. We want to see everybody... As many people that is looking at the main page, we want you to see just as many people looking at the merch page, the upcoming events page, and even that resource tab. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Absolutely. And get your merch. I am in the works of getting a couple things. I definitely want to get... I think I want to get a hoodie, honestly. Oh, I like the canvas bag. The Yikes on Bikes canvas bag is yeah. so cute. Or the I'm, pillow with the face. The pillow with the smiley face. Yeah. I like that. I'm definitely going to buy a, a shirt as soon as we get off of this live. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. not live, but yeah. <laughs> this live. <laughs> this live. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you later. Follow us on social media at Diagnosing a Killer. All right. Love, Love you. you. Bye. Your mental health is super important to us. So we are thrilled to announce that we are sponsored by BetterHelp to support you. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can access a network of over 30,000 licensed therapists with a wide range of specialties and be linked with the perfect match for you. Whether it's via text, chat, or video call, you can talk to your therapist when it's convenient for you. When it comes to your mental health, BetterHelp is a convenient and affordable option for therapy. Get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com D-A-K-P-O-D. That's BetterHelp slash D-A-K-P-O-D for 10% off your first month.